Also, this podcast is sponsored by FNXFit.com. This website has protein shakes, powders, testosterone boosters, gummies, shirts, pretty much anything all about being healthy. Also, by the way, guys, you guys will get 10% off any order that you purchase with my discount code TJGleesack25. That's right, 10% off. And trust me, like 10% off will really help you guys out in the long run. Also, guys, if you don't like any of our products, well, we'll give you a refund with all your money back. So don't worry about that. You know, your money will be back. We'll get back to you once you meet your purchase. So go to FNXFit.com. That is FNXFIT.com. It will direct you to this, you know, awesome looking page. It's really just about staying healthy. And I know a lot of people want to stay healthy, especially during this time with the whole coronavirus out. So go to fnxfit.com, use my discount code TJGleesack25, and you'll get 10% off of any order. And if you guys want to get refunded, well, you'll get your money back. So uh, that's it. So let's go. Hey, what's up, guys? Do you guys like white teeth? Do you guys want to look good for the prom? Do you guys want to show those white pearls when you guys go out? and not have to wear a mask after you get your vaccine, well, go to brightensmile.com and use my discount code TJGleason657725. You get 25% off of any purchase you guys buy. That's brightensmile.com with my discount code TJGleason. That's T-J-G-L-E-A-S-O-N-657725 at brightensmile.com. Thanks. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the TJTV Podcast. Uh, how's everyone doing on this beautiful Monday? On today's show, we had Rovina Chan Jossel. We talked about her book, and we talked about a lot of interesting topics that the world pretty much shuns on today, to be honest. We talked about cultural differences, interracial relationships, her perspective on how the world should be today, and just pretty much a lot more stuff um she also has a blog and her book is out on amazon uh she is 21 years old she actually does have a pretty good um what's the word i'm looking for a pretty good record of media arts and she she's just a cool person um you know i wish i could write a book when i was her age but you know i do this (laughs) In any event, um, yeah, guys, if you're new, make sure you like and subscribe, turn on post notifications on uh, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor.fm, TJ, uh, go follow me, TJTV on Facebook and YouTube, TJ's Vlogs on YouTube, Sphere Project, and much more. Um, yeah, that's really it. Hope you guys enjoy this episode. Um, also, sorry for the week break. Um, I'll do a sit down video and explain more or not a sit down video, but yeah, I'll do a podcast more about that later on this week about why I uh, took a week off. So that should be fun. And um, yeah. So hope you guys enjoy this episode. It's about 50 minutes, 50, 50 to 51 minutes long. So hopefully you guys like this episode and um, I'll see you guys in just a few seconds. Good. All right, guys, I'm here with 
Rovina Chan Jassel, who is a cultural writer. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me here. You're welcome. I see you have a book on Amazon. Now, is it like you obviously got it published? How does one get that book published? Uh, published? Yeah, so I actually um, worked through a hybrid publisher called New Degree Press. And so I crowdfunded a lot of my funds to be able to do that. Um, and I also got the help from them with the editing and the publishing of the book. Um, so I was able to do it that way. How'd you get into writing? Um, I was actually like a writer, like my entire life. I used to make like little picture books for my parents. Like I would write like little stories and stuff and give it to them. And then it was just like a passion of mine. At first it was kind of just like an emotional outlet. And then um, I realized I was really good at it and decided to pursue it professionally. How, um, you don't mind me asking, how old are you? I'm 21. You're 21 and you have a book that's published. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I wish I had that. I mean, I'm 26 and I, I mean, I do this, but I had two sponsors obviously, but that's weird. I wish I had that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, I don't know. I guess, like, um, the way that it happened was basically this professor at Georgetown, Eric Coaster, shout out to him. Um, he told me about, like, this book program through New Degree Press. And that's kind of how, like, I got onto the book publishing journey at, at 20 years old. So, yeah. That's amazing. I mean, I never, it's amazing what we can do today in this world. I mean, we're both obviously around the same age and a lot of kids our age and younger, they're actually doing and making a lot of money. Like when it comes to social media, writing or whatever, it's really odd to be honest. Yeah, no, it definitely is. It's like, I never thought I would be in this position at this age either. Um, kind of just like pursued what was interesting for me um and then I turned towards social media because I wanted to create that readership and to make that impact with my words now have you come to any like has it been a struggle when it comes to writing Do you get writer's block at all yeah definitely I mean like um there will be periods where I'll be like just writing on end, like writing day in and day out. And then there will be literally dry months where I, I just can't like write on the page. That's amazing. See, I used to write in school when I was in, I think I was in high school. And whenever I wanted to write a new story, I would get severe writer's block. And I still like, even when it comes to like make, like, cause I have a YouTube channel as well, where I just make like videos and whatnot, but whenever I, whenever it comes to writing a script, I always have like a fear of denial when it comes to someone watching or reading it. And I always have a fear of not knowing what's going to come next. Yeah, no, I can understand that. For me, it's like not wanting to be boxed in, I guess. So it's a similar concept, I guess. Like, you know, I'm like, oh, am I just kind of reading my creative freedom and like my that you know that feeling when you're like oh I feel it inspo hit you know um versus like having a schedule of when you're gonna write and stuff it's it's a really hard balance are you in college at the moment yeah I'm in my last year oh last year what do you want to do with that uh, I want to pursue journalism journalism uh communications major correct 
Yeah, I'm like a double major in um, media communications and Spanish. So, yeah, no, that's what I went to school for. I was, uh, we didn't have journalism at my school, unfortunately. We had communications and my communication program sucked at my school, <laughs> unfortunately. But So what got you, you've been writing since you were a kid. Now, why did anybody like um, inspire you? Yeah, uh, various people. So growing up, um, obviously my parents, um, they always like liked my writing. So that was like a very big thing. I think, you know, parental approval is so big. Um, so that was number one. And then two, I had teachers that would literally tell me like, oh my God, you know, this is actually quality writing. I'm like, I even had a teacher once that like, graded me harder than the rest of his students because he knew I was capable of doing more and he made me redo a specific essay because of it so I had really good mentors growing up who like nurtured my talent um and then I would say like role models that like I obviously haven't met um would be like Ruby Core is a big one of that big big person um especially because we're from the same background and so um, the way she like rose from being independent and doing her own thing was really inspiring. And then even like TV writers um, that rose to fame, especially like people of color, um, you know, uh, like with Issa Rae and Insecure, um, Never Have Ever, like those are more recent role models, but um, yeah. So I actually read one of your passages earlier five interracial relationship myths explained I like that a lot what got you into writing that um yeah so I mean like I come from a very multicultural background which is like why I study Spanish so I actually grew up in Chicago and um there's like a huge Spanish-speaking population there there's a lot of South Asians there's a lot of Black people etc etc and so I was always really like I, I wanted to explore beyond just being like my own South Asian community. So it kind of started there. And then I um, like started, you know, having friends outside and different friend groups and then got into a few like interracial relationships of my own. So um, like I have experience personally and I also have friends who are in interracial relationships, especially like coming from South Asian backgrounds that like often have different stigmas around it. So that was something that I really wanted to touch on. And, and a lot, even a lot of my cousins too, who have married interracially, um, I spoke to them specifically about that article. Don't you hate when people talk, and I'm not just saying like, it could be anybody. When any person talks about like a white woman and a black man or, you know, whatever, they're dating and they talk behind their back because they don't think, it's proper in this day and age. Don't you hate when like other people just talk shit on other people just because they're in interracial relationships? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think that's like one of the biggest things with it that comes to, to interracial relationships. Like um, uh, personally and like what I've seen is kind of like, you know, people judge you based off of what they see, right? Like that's a human thing. And I think sometimes like either it makes them uncomfortable because secretly they might want to do it but they're just not brave enough and <laughs> that kind of comes down to it or it's that they think that you know this 
it's reality of like segregation is still something that should exist, which is a very dated way of thinking, but it unfortunately is still very prevalent in a lot of people's ways of thinking. The one thing that bugs me a lot with older people, like some older people, they get so offended about like little things. Like I remember there's this show that was on back in the nineties and it got rebooted and there's a transgender character and somebody I know got really pissed off at it. I'm like, why are you getting so pissed off at it? I was like, this is the world. This is the way the world is. Like, I mean, back then everybody, you know, they were scared, you know, they were closeted because they didn't want to get, um, what's the word, like, uh, executed because they were scared to say they were transgender, gay or whatever. And it's just like, I don't, I don't, I don't get why people do that. You know what I mean? That's one thing I can't stand in this world today. Yeah. Um, like as someone, I guess, who has faced that pretty much my entire life, like for various reasons, but like, I think again, it's like, it usually just comes down to like this idea of fear. Um, they fear the other, um, they're, they don't understand, like, you know, they don't understand trans people. They don't understand colored people because that's not something that's normal to them. It's not something that maybe they grew up around. So it's like seen as a threat, you know, and it's sad that that is the case, but that's kind of where that thinking comes from. It took me a long time to understand that, you know, cause like seeing that you obviously don't want to interact with someone like that, but it's also really important to like educate them as well, instead of like just adding fuel to the fire. Yeah, that's the thing. Like a lot of people who like feel a certain type of way when it comes to certain things going on in the world, they don't want to be uh, be educated because they feel that like I'm an adult, you're the kid, I'm big, you're small. You know what I mean? That's that's how most people feel, and that's what I feel like the world needs to learn is just to get educated on everything going on in the world today, to where we can love and accept everybody. Yeah, like part of the reason like going back to that article I wrote that was a lot of times a lot of people think interracial. Um, relationships are just white and something else so like they don't think like oh it could be like South Asian and black or it could be South Asian and like you know Mexican or whatever because like they constantly assume that so that was something I really wanted to put in there because that, that is a common myth um, and like you said like it's it's about like showing people the nuance and making it easy for them to understand I think because I mean, people are lazy, so. <laughs> oh, everyone's lazy. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> so what, have you faced any like downfall or hate when it comes to writing these articles? Um, a few times. Um, I would say like, again, like just people who are really ignorant. I've had like a few people like email me saying that like um, I make like other people look stupid or like make my own community look stupid or like I'm I've actually had someone kind of close to me tell me that like I was letting down my own community because I wasn't like taking chances or like representing like like Indian men properly or something like that so um yeah no I've definitely had like backlash for sure does that put you in a depression whenever someone like sends you something like that? It used to, because I think I used to write to like get approval in a sense, but now I think it's more of like, I'm glad that I'm just evoking discussion, you know, 
like I'm I'm actually like making these people think so I take it in more of a positive way because if it wasn't something that they even cared about they wouldn't have reached out to me so there's something there that's really important that I'm doing and I feel like when it comes to somebody who's writing a death threat or writing hate because I get a lot of hate every now and then for some of those things I say um I just feel like a lot of people are bored with their lives and when they don't want to be educated, they don't want to get educated because they feel like it could hurt them in any way, shape or form. And I'm going to go back to the approval thing. Like I was always looking for my parents' approval when it comes to doing this, because I want my voice to be heard. Cause I felt like I never had a you know voice and it's kind of like, you know, I stopped searching for approval a long time ago. You know what I mean? Like, the only approval I want to get is my wife. And that's all I really need in this day and age. I'm my future kids, obviously, but. Yeah, definitely. I was the same way. Um, I think a lot of like Gen X millennial kids, like grow up, like wanting to have that approval because their parents are so close to them. Like their parents are so involved with like activities growing up and like putting you in things and being there and, And so like, it's only natural to seek that like approval, right? So it's very, the very similar thing happened to me as well. I mean, I also still suffer from it sometimes. I sometimes still find myself wanting to gain their approval, but I'm definitely a lot more honest about it. I would say, because before I just would not admit it. I would, I was so hung up on their approval that I wouldn't admit to myself that I was. Did you, did it ever like occur? Like, did your parents ever just like not give their approval when it came to something you were writing or were they always there for you? Oh no, definitely not. They definitely did not always give approval. My book, my mom didn't even finish. But (laughs) so I, after that, after that moment, I realized I just can't rely on specifically only them when it comes to my success and and also I mean I have to think about writing is an art form and and really art is so subjective just because they're my parents they're not obligated to to like my stuff 100% of the time so your mom didn't finish your book Mira Mania yeah she didn't (laughs) why didn't she finish it she um is a very busy woman she's very (laughs) very busy she is a teacher so I don't blame her and she uh, she enjoys more more literary type of novels. My novel wasn't super heavy on literary language, so I think it just wasn't her cup of tea, which is completely fine. It took me a long time to be okay with that, and I mean I'm still salty, but like you know, it is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. I mean, I, I mean, I, there's a lot of things my parents don't watch, but. I do have like a family member who actually watches my stuff. And then if something like slips up, like they'll tell my mom or dad right off the bat, which I can't stand. (laughs) It's crazy. That's pretty annoying. Uh, That would be very annoying to deal with. It, It is because I, so I did this like two years ago when it was back in 2019 before COVID. Um, basically I was getting told, I was told I was getting kicked out. And I was like, you know, and they said, you know, you might have to move out or live in the basement or whatever. It's like, cool. So um, I made a series on YouTube saying where I'm getting kicked out. And she was my fiance at the time. 
I'm like, all right, we're going to get kicked out. We're looking for an apartment. My parents hated every second of that because my family member would, you know, go and watch the videos and tell them, you know. That's insane. I I don't know how you went through that. Like, I don't really have anyone that has done that, thankfully. Um, I have had lurking family members that I'm not really close to, just kind of lurking relatives that share my stuff if it's some photo or just some some taboo topic for example the interracial relationships one um i've had them you know say stuff about that but nothing with direct family involved yeah are you are you an only child i'm no i have a older brother older brother okay yeah i mean i'm i have two sisters two older sisters which is <laughs> younger nice. <laughs> he being the youngest the youngest you're the youngest i would imagine right yeah, yeah. The, the youngest has its pros and cons when it comes to certain things i i i like being the youngest i think i i enjoy being the baby <laughs> so i completely milk that whenever i get the chance um only thing i would say maybe is getting compared when I was younger but that's pretty much it I'd say what do you mean by like getting compared to your older brother or yeah I would say sometimes I was compared to my older brother my cousins or even like older family friends just because that was who my parents had been more involved with early on so that was kind of annoying to grow up with, especially as someone who was trying to pursue the arts because my entire family is pretty science, math. And uh, I never really felt like I could, even though I had their support fully, I just didn't feel like I could because I was getting compared to people that weren't in that area. Now, when it came to pursuing the arts, were your parents against it? Like, because in my case, I would, they weren't against it at all? No, um, I'd say they just wanted me to have a plan. They really didn't mind what, what, what career I wanted to do because I think I proved already how I was hardworking and I, I just knew what I wanted uh, as a kid anyway. So they weren't really worried about me pursuing that, no. What got you into the arts? Was it just the writing or was it anything yeah, else? So- my entire life I've been very involved so I started dancing when I was four started playing piano when I was like seven started writing when I could pick up a pencil started drawing when I was five um singing all the way until even now to this day um very involved with the arts growing up so it's an integral part of who I am and 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 how I became who I am um and that's kind of the story of how I got into the arts you want to go into like uh new like the news or radio what do you want to do with it so I'm currently working part-time for a women's health magazine and so I'm over there doing their content um and I like writing for magazines I think there's a lot of creativity involved and just being able to talk to different people, representing different communities, being able to actually change the minds of people and representing sides that are untold, sides that people don't think about. 
Um, so that's kind of what I'm trying to do. I don't really care what the medium is as long as I can fulfill those goals. What is one thing you want to change in the media industry? What do you want people, what, what is your goal? So my thing is kind of shining light on the underrepresented sides, definitely coming down to cultural diversity for sure. Um, it's really important for someone who's culturally aware and even someone from the community to be telling stories about those communities. Um, it's really important for youth to see that because they identify with the medium the most. It affects them the most. Like research has shown that time and time again. And I think that's really important. Also educating people about the nuances of culture and the nuances of identity because stereotyping is something that exists as early as like eight years old. So, you know, if people grow up with that mindset, it can lead to really big problems. And that's kind of shown with my, with the people in, in university right now. So around my age. I get that completely. A lot of, a lot of people will point you out. I'm not, not you, but like just me, you, whoever. And they're like, Oh, well, you know, there's a lot of stereotyping stereo that's a correct uh use of grammar i went to college um there's a lot of people that use stereotypes and it's a lot of like hate that people have in their eyes i guess like because i feel like when people point something out that's wrong with you or me it means they're really unhappy with themselves personally i think yeah 100 percent um judgment always comes from judging yourself primarily if you're very hard judging on people you're probably very hard judging yourself were you ever judged yeah totally like when I first started writing oh my god I had an Instagram account that was dedicated to the worst poetry I've ever written in my entire life and I had so many people tell me that it was horrible and they were like why are you writing about this stuff like I was really depressed my senior year of high school and I just needed something to let things out and and my friends were like why are you hanging on to all this stuff you should be move on blah 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 like this is looks so bad on you and I just kept posting I was like I don't care like I want to keep getting better like sure it sucks and and I actually put all those poems together it was my very first book and I never published it because it's horrible I still have it it's so bad but um yeah, I had a lot of hate initially. And then I started writing for Her Campus, which is one of these um, like college type magazines. And it's just got a bunch of different, uh, different chapters across the nation and internationally as well. So I started writing for there and some of my articles, old people from my high school and even new people that I was meeting kind of just thought of me as just someone who was just so weird and oh, like if you talk to her, she'll just end up writing about it. And very, very fragile, very out there, too, too much, you know. So tons and tons of rejection in my first two to two and a half years of, of trying to really go on this path. Which is nuts. Why were you depressed? Um, my... 12th grade was horrible. I went through a lot of issues with friends. I came out of 
one of the worst relationships ever. Um, and yeah, I mean, that's really what it comes down to. I was, I don't want to say with me, I wasn't depressed in high school. I think I had a, I had an okay time in high school. I think my senior year of college or junior year of college, I was in a relationship with a girl who was very suicidal. And that kind of put me in a depression because like, I never dated somebody like that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I, I believe she's still around. Um, but she would always say, like, I'm going to go and do this to my son. I was like, what? like, Jesus, like, get me out of here. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you, you never really believe, you never really know what could happen to somebody because you don't, like, when you first start dating somebody, you don't really know who they are. Yeah. And, like, you don't want to, like, judge them based on, like, what they're saying. You want to, like, you know, stay with somebody or this, that, and the third. And I just didn't know what to do. I didn't even tell anybody. I told one person and they said, uh, are you being for real or are you making it a joke? Because if you're being for real, I'm going to call the cops and you're going to give me their address. I'm like, uh, you don't have to do that. Like, I wasn't sure what to do. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. No, that's a tricky situation. Um, I've personally never been through something like that. Um, I have like dealt with like people who, even friends who have had kind of issues with depression, with suicidal thoughts. I think when it really comes down to is just them wanting to have someone that's there for them. Um, and, and it's hard though, if you're in a relationship with that person, because sometimes you being there could be doing more harm than good, especially if they're not exactly in the position to be in a relationship. Yeah. I, I feel that completely. Now in college, do many people follow your journey when it comes to writing? Yeah, yeah. So I have like a decent following now on Instagram. So I've, you know, led some workshops. I've edited for our, our, um, our newspaper and also the magazine Her Campus. Right now I'm leading our arts journals for like the multilingual arts journal. So I'm working with a bunch of students on that. Um, a lot of professors have like read my book and purchased it so yeah I mean definitely I'm just trying to resonate with people who want to resonate with me rather than kind of resonating with as many as I can I care more about who and if they actually care now have people said they read your book and they've given you good feedback but you found out later on in life that like later on down the line like that they didn't really care about the give like two shits about the book actually that's not happened um surprisingly (laughs) (laughs) i mean it's my first book i don't expect it to be amazing like it's not like you know it's not oh my god but no actually people have been very positive um they've told me how much they relate to it they told me how much it made them feel like they could actually read something without you know feeling like they were drained or feeling like it was a chore um yeah so it's generally been pretty positive and even just people telling me how how much discussion it's evoked so yeah pretty generally positive feedback which is good because a lot of people who first start out doing whatever they don't really get positive feedback not many I mean I'm not saying all people but like 
for example, I didn't get you know all the positive feedback I wanted. I got told like you need to write a script, the set and the third. And I listened to a few, but like when it came to writing a script, like reading off of a script like this, like it just feels like monotone. Like I feel like a robot. You know what I mean? Like I don't know how news get like if I I work in radio, so I don't have my own show, but um a lot of radio shows I found out are scripted. But it's kind of like you can't really read off a script. Like it has to come from like, the you know your heart. I feel like personally. Yeah. No. Totally. I've I've had done a few podcasts. Um. I actually went on CBC Radio two weeks two weeks ago. Yeah, about two weeks ago or a week ago. I forgot. But um, I went on CBC Radio and it was pretty conversational. It, it was a little bit scripted, but it was pretty conversational. And I really appreciated that because I've done podcasts where it's just like literally Q&A interview style, you know, um, and I don't really feel like there's really that much depth to that, especially it depends, you know, especially if your interview is not someone who can get comfortable really fast or easily. What was it like being on like podcast? Like what was like what was your first podcast experience like? Let's put it that way. So I actually did a podcast for her campus. I was the one who created it and we did like our first Halloween special in 2019. That was our first thing and it was fun. I mean, you got to basically be a character and entertain um while at the same time being informational. So it was just really cool because I got to establish the same goals that I have for writing just through a different medium. Um, it was a little bit nerve wracking just because of being recorded. So that was something to get used to. But overall, I did enjoy it. And I mean, right now I'm working on something with my friend. We're trying to start up our own podcast too on um, intersectional identities within the South Asian community, especially women. So definitely picking up back again with that. Yeah, that's, I mean, I understand that completely. Um, when it comes to talking to somebody like, you know, who I don't know, it takes me maybe like five minutes to get comfortable, but it always like, it always depends on the person who you're talking to. Like, for instance, like, I like to pick people's brains and like go deep in depth in their conversations, but also you occasionally get that one person where you could read the vibe over zoom saying like, all right, this person doesn't want that. You know what I mean? And I've had people who have asked me to take some stuff out, which can kind of get a little annoying at points. Cause like, I feel like people who tell their story and give like a good, like maybe not like, I don't want to say juicy, like, controversial thing but like if something's controversial going on in your life and it's not going to affect the person if you're not like dating them or talking to them I feel like it's a good way of a podcast it's a good podcast episode you know what I mean you're not hurting anybody personally yeah definitely like I think um yeah I 100% agree like you know it needs to be natural I mean it's the same way with reporting it's the same way with writing when you get quotes from people I have had people say, cut this out, cut that out, and all that, but you want it to be natural and you want it to be, because people are, they're not consistent. Like that is what humans are. We're not always consistent. So I think it is really important to have the nuance and to have the controversies, even have the mistakes in there. Was Did you make any mistakes when it came to writing or anything? 
Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Like, I mean, even in my book, I didn't realize I had like a few typos here and there, even after editing and editing and editing and sending it to editors. Um, so there's that. That's like middle school thing. I've had people look at my reporting pieces and been like, oh, can you change this? Um, you forgot to include this quote and you made me look stupid and all this stuff, like um, tons and tons. I've definitely learned for sure. But oh, yeah, I still make mistakes. I fully intend to make mistakes like that. I, I think a long time ago, I was like, I don't care. Like mistakes are fine. Like, you know, it's just another chance. It's another chance to improve. Right. I mean, I look, that's what I look at this for. I mean, I've made some mistakes. I said some stuff and the way I look at it, I evolved into doing, just talking about random topics to doing interviews and also talking about random topics, but I've also included when it comes to doing my show, I always talk about my personal life, which does get me in trouble at some points, but other times it's also a good way to connect with my listeners. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I have my blog. I mean, I think you probably saw that article about interrelational relationships on Medium. So, I mean, I have my blog on there as well, but my blog is very personal. Like I talk about a lot of personal issues, personal topics. Um, even Mirror Mania is rooted in stuff that I went through personally. So I totally agree. Like it's really important to be vulnerable with your audience for sure. Now, do you when you throw through personal stuff in your blog has your mom or dad or anybody like just say take that out because it's too personal or Mm -hmm. yeah yeah Yeah, my mom she more so my mom my dad he's kind of like all right you know you're gonna do what you want to do so I'm not gonna say anything (laughs) my (laughs) mom she's like you gotta be careful saying this and that people might take advantage you know all this stuff and she's coming from a good place of course but yeah Am I going to listen? No. I will never forget my very first episode. I talked about women and I said some pretty messed up things and it wasn't like bad. Like I'm going to like hit. I never said anything about hitting anybody, but um, I had a women activist group after me in college, my freshman year. No, what was it? 2015. So sophomore year. Um, My junior year, I took a woman's studies class. Not, And then that's when I kind of like understood like, whoa, like, what I did like three years ago, I should never have done. And looking back at it six years later, I'm still like, I was a dick. Like, <laughs> Yeah, no, for sure. I think people really start to realize that. I mean, if you really take into a lot of account, like everyday language, um, I was telling my boyfriend about it. Um, Cause you know, in, in a lot of songs, hip hop, primarily which is super popular they say the b word all the time right like you don't think like it's a big deal because it's like oh haha music whatever blah 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 but it is because it's something that you're constantly repeating you're listening to it almost daily you're listening to it with people around you and it's it's so ingrained into the culture that it feeds into different things as well did you hear about what happened at the travis scott concert the other day i did not few people got trampled to death and there was somebody trying to stop the concert as it was going on because there were like three or four people that got killed just by getting uh, stepped on and 
he's getting a lot of heat for that because he talks about like you know shooting something like i don't listen to the guys music but like some people say like he talks about shooting and trampling people and he's getting a lot of heat for that and i feel like a lot of people who listen to rap some take it too seriously and do what they're doing in the music videos or you know when it comes to music but yeah yeah, Uh, that's what i heard uh about an hour ago wow yeah i didn't hear about that until now um generally speaking it's hard to make a statement about the overall behaviors of people listening to rap because there's just so many people right but agreed yeah totally rap you can say influences behavior and the way people think 100 percent. it's a it's literally the genre with the most words per second so of course you know um it's definitely going to influence and i and i'm not surprised if the people who trampled those people don't feel sorry yeah they probably don't i mean and the concert like from what i heard like the concert just kept going and travis scott just kept looking at the people that were dead you know what i mean he just watched them like didn't give a shit wow and i think they're getting sued you know what i mean oh my god that's crazy i haven't looked into it and i definitely will now but that's that's a bit crazy to just like not really do anything um and just kind of stand there, you know. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't know. I mean, and everybody who talks to me, like all my my mom and my uh, wife's mom, they're like, you know, we can't go. To, we can't go to concerts anymore. We can't do this anymore. And it's just like it's at the point where it's like they're kind of right, but at the same time, you gotta live life. You can't just. Uh, that's why I don't really watch the news. You know what I mean? I never really watch the news anymore. I can't do it. I think after the election, I just couldn't do it anymore. Yeah, the news gets a bad rep, but I don't believe in just not watching it because I think that might do more harm than good in the long term. I think it really depends on which news outlet you're receiving your information from because I think it's really important to stay informed about what's going on. You know, maybe staying away from the typical local shootings and local this or that and all this tragedy, blah, blah, blah. But focusing on other, even happy things that have been happening, searching for that. Unfortunately, you have to look for that stuff on your own. But I think it's worth it to put your energy into that instead of putting your energy into not watching or receiving news. Right. I would like to do something kind of like Good Morning America. I feel like they have a fun job in, <laughs> uh, in that industry. I just feel like, I mean, and that's the thing, a lot of there's always bad things happening in the world. It doesn't matter where you're at. Like there could be something, like you'd be living in the nice neighbor, nicest neighborhood and something could happen like down the street, then you wouldn't know about it. Um, but that's just, I lost my thought. That sucks. I really lost my thought. <laughs> that's that's going to bug me now. I do that a lot. Sorry about that. But um, yeah, but you know what I mean though, right? That's, I, the news should probably, I feel like with the news, it should probably stay away from, um, it's to stay away from some of the negativeness and put a little bit of positive light when it comes to the news. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I think there are a lot of things to be criticized, but also I think they're also just trying to do the best they can with the climate that the news is under. 
it's under a lot of pressure so they don't have as much freedom to do specific stories to do features to do those types of things because there are some news networks that they can only exist on stories that give them money and sometimes those stories are the most tragic so it really is difficult sometimes you know but it's also hard because news is supposed to be informational it should be a range of different types of stories um which kind of brings me back to my own goal of diversification um because it's important right like it affects people's everyday lives it's affected you so i do think that there are things that need to be changed but also there are things that they're just trying their best in this moment under this pressure that they have yeah and a lot of newscasters i feel like have a horrible work schedule <laughs> I yeah mean- for sure if you're on late night, I mean, your whole day is gone because I mean, your shift is probably two to 11. I mean, one of my close friends is a late night host right now. So, um, and, and his day is pretty much gone because his shift starts at two and, and then he gets home probably around 12, one, and then you don't wake up until like maybe 10 or something. And then you only have a few hours. Right. So it's pretty, it's pretty rough, but um yeah i mean hopefully the model changes or the model at least improves um we'll see though yeah we'll see well i I work weekends uh at the at the station so i pretty much know how it all is i mean and it's usually it's like four hours depending on where i'm at but at the same time it's like my day's gone because i had to be there two hours before and then it like if depending if how far I'm driving somewhere for the station to promote, I have to drive like an hour back. It, it's so generally I'm there for like six hours, six to eight hours every day. Not every day, but you know. Right. Yeah. No, it makes sense. I mean, I think if you're going into broadcasting, journalism, any of that, you don't do it for the money <laughs> ever. No, no. <laughs> unless you're unless you're really famous true i mean i learned i knew walking into this i wasn't going to make a lot of money i knew i wasn't going to be successful right out of the um right out of the get-go i knew for a fact though that i was going to be doing something with it and a lot of my a lot of my coworkers that work with me they tell me the same thing like you know you're walking into a death trap you're going to be uh working weekends you're not going to love it after a year and at the same time it's like it's a job and you got to do what you got to do you know what i mean if a job opens up you can apply and it would make more money that's what i've been doing like i look at jobs that are opening up depending on where they're at i'll do it yeah for sure i mean it's 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 up to the way that you're motivated right i mean all it comes down to is action and intent. So if you have the intent, like the action that it takes, it really doesn't matter if you are motivated anyway. Um, may I ask where you where you're from and where you where you're living? I live about thirty miles away from Philadelphia. Okay. Okay. So you're like around a lot of news and radio and all that stuff. Yeah. Okay. And I grew up with a lot of multicultural people as well. That makes sense. Yeah. 
and that's the thing I don't get with a lot of um I'm guessing with like my parents and like other like my friends parents they didn't have that opportunity to grow up with multicultural uh, cultural people that's why everyone doesn't like the idea of what's going on in the world today you know what I mean also I know a few people haven't really stepped out of Pennsylvania in like you know 50 years so you know yeah because again it's scary right it's scary people like to cling to their own kind people like to cling to what's familiar what is safe so it's understandable but it's not right to judge and also to to condemn right so now do you believe going across seas is also another way of understanding other like countries cultures and you know food and what they like to do and all that do you believe that's a good uh, aspect of you know going about like across seas yeah totally i mean that's kind of what i've done um so i grew up in chicago but i mean i was born originally in canada in windsor canada and so i came back uh, to school uh, for university my family's still in chicago but I mean, I came back to Canada for school. So going abroad and, and discovering a whole new area. And then for Spanish, I went to Cuba to go teach blind and deaf children. And I really learned about the culture there and like the, the nuances within Spanish communities in different areas that speak Spanish, you know, because a lot of people, they just kind of assume like, oh, if you speak Spanish, you're Mexican, right? But that's not the case. Like. Right. So much of the world speaks Spanish, but they're not Mexican. You know, you could be from Spain, you could be from Cuba, you could be from, you know, even, even Africa. There are some African countries that speak Spanish. So, um, really understanding that was so huge, and just a lot of deconstruction of stereotypes as well. How was that teaching blind and deaf students? That I feel they that would be kind of hard in a sense. I mean, how did that work? So these students were exceptionally intelligent. We came into the school and they performed an entire show for us, dancing, singing, music, all kinds of things. And I knew that these kids were very smart. So uh, I just took advantage of that. You know, we learned math through singing. We made songs so they could do more verbal things that were easier for them than, you know, reading and writing, because obviously it's hard, right? But we just use different mediums that would work better for them, which happened to be a lot of art stuff. So it was really fun. It was really cool. And they were just the sweetest children ever. And, and honestly, seeing the way that they were treated by their teachers versus in the West is, is so different. You know, they're, they're a lot more hands-on. They can hug them. They can even kiss them on the cheek. You know, it's a lot more, more adoration there. But you know, in the West, it's a strict, strict shield between student and teacher. So that was really interesting as well. That takes a very special person to do that. Because I know a lot of people don't have patient, uh, patience when it comes to really anything. Like, I see a lot of parents that have kids that have Down syndrome. And when the kid, when their kid just talks and like does something like out of the ordinary, the parent gets really agitated and doesn't have patience. And I feel like you have to be a real special person to take care of somebody like that, death, blind, um, somebody with autism or Down syndrome. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, of course. I mean, people even do it with their friends, you know, some, if, the, if a person you're friends with who is, you know, 
they're not exactly the smartest person in the room they do stupid things all the time whatever there is definitely you know friction so it's it's a very common thing i would say and i think it again comes down to the insecurities someone might have about themselves you know they might think that oh if i look stupid you know people won't like me or if i act like this you know this is bad right so i think again removing that judgment is really important i think me going to Cuba helped with that as well because I saw these kids and I was like you would think okay maybe you know they're not super smart whatever but these kids man they were so amazing they literally danced and sing and all kinds of things which just blew my mind away yeah that's that's great I mean I'm I wouldn't know how to do that I used to do karate but I taught you know young kids that could physically do everything but like when it comes to somebody who was blind or deaf i couldn't i don't even know how i could do that (laughs) personally i don't know (laughs) so we are running over a little bit of an hour do you have anything else you want to say before the show uh, before we uh leave or um i mean i feel like we've talked about some really good topics here um I mean, I'm just going to plug my book and plug my Instagram. So if you guys are interested, <laughs> my Amazon, Mirror Mania, my Instagram is at Rovina Inc. Talk about controversial things like we did today um, and a lot of like feminist, cultural type of issues. So if you're interested in that. Um, and yeah, I mean, I feel like we did a lot of good discussion here today. Definitely. Yeah. And I would love to have you back on one day soon. And uh you know, hopefully we can, you'll have another book written or, you know, posting very soon. Maybe we never know, but yeah, uh, yeah. but thank you for coming on. Yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm really glad that you found me. I was like, really, really like surprised. Like I got the message from you and I was like, Oh, how did you even find me? (laughs) Yeah. I, I think I followed you about a year ago or not a year ago, but like sometime in 2021. And I was looking for different people to, um come on my show like I didn't want just like singers I want to like a multicultural group like not multicultural but like a different like areas of like um you know media in my on my show like authors musicians actors so on and so forth yeah that's super cool I I think you also you might have interviewed another author that I know do you know Philip Wilcox I know of him I don't think I've interviewed him. I follow him and I think I tried to get him on my show. Actually, I can tell you that in two seconds. Because <laughs> I do I do remember sending him a message. Let's see, you said Philip Wilcox, right? Yeah. Yeah, I sent I sent him a message, but he never got back to me. Oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah. So I did it, I did ask him a long time ago. How do you, uh, do you guys collab or? Yeah, we went through the same hybrid publisher. Um, we both were at New Degree Press. Gotcha. All right. Yeah. Maybe I'll get them on the show one day. But um, yeah, definitely. It was fun having you on and thank you for coming on. This should be out tomorrow. What's tomorrow? Yeah, tomorrow at some point. Okay, cool. Thank you so much. You're Have welcome. You too all right guys that's gonna wrap up today's episode hope you guys enjoyed it um 
I'm probably going to be back on again this week sometime. So hope you guys enjoy what's to come. Uh, we have a lot of things coming out soon and probably by the end of this week, I'm going to be doing, uh, I'm going to be posting actually the very first episode of pandemic. I just worked on this a little bit of the series today. I'm going to be working on it a little bit during the week to finish the episode, but um, hopefully you guys enjoy it. Also, my new documentary serial just came out last week. So if you got, or was it two weeks ago? It was like last week or two weeks ago. Anyways, it came out about a week ago. So I hope you guys enjoy that. I'm also going to be planning to do a lot more stuff as well. Um, I may just do pandemic one week and then do like a ghost hunting video on the spear project. Cause I haven't really done much with the spear project in a little bit. And I feel like I'm neglecting that channel. So like every other week there will be an episode of pandemic and then it could be like pandemic one week. And then go signing the next week. So hope you guys enjoy it. So uh, that's it. You guys liked it. Subscribe. If you don't like it, uh, go fuck yourself. So yeah. <laughs> no. Just a joke. But yeah. If you guys don't like my channel, don't watch it. Simply. But if you guys do, subscribe for more content on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor.fm. TJ's vlogs on YouTube, TJ TV on Facebook and YouTube and the Spear Project and much more. Bye.